This is Max Gredenchik, Rom from Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Thank you. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Rangers, and welcome to another more phenomenal edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and I'm here talking to you about Power Rangers again. Specifically, the new film recently released in cinemas where five teenagers with attitude learn how to become superheroes and fight evil. <coughs> Sorry about that, I really need to get that scene to So, here to chat Power Rangers is the not-quite-teenager-with-attitude, Chris. What do you mean, not-quite-teenager? I'm young and cool. <laughs> young and cool. Yes, you're... I've, I've got the attitude. I think that's about it. Well, you're as much a teenager as any of the actors in this film, probably. <laughs> yes. So how are, you, how are you, Chris? Are you more phenomenal or some other I'm, variation? I'm doing alright. I'm doing alright. I'm, uh, yeah. I've had a nice little week, chilling out. Good. I've spent most of my week editing podcasts. So I'm continuing as I mean to continue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Power Rangers, big movie. Well, it doesn't feel like a big movie. It's a movie. A movie recently came out about the the old school TV show that was podcasted about recently by myself and Angus and Natalie, who had varying reactions to having to revisit something from their childhood. So we'll start with what was your connection to Power Rangers from your childhood, if any? I suppose like most kids that grew up in the 90s, you know, watching it on TV and, you know, having the action figures and, yeah, all that sort of stuff, really. It was always a TV show that was sort of on when I was younger, so, you know, I was always excited to watch it and see it. I think, you know, in hindsight, if you sort of watch back some of it, you see how naff and cheesy some of it was, but I enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, um, I loved it at the time, and I think... As I said on the previous podcast, a large part of my childhood was defined by watching Power Rangers. Um, I loved it. I loved the characters. I loved the insanity of it. I loved the giant robots. Um, and it was a bit later on until I realised that it was, um, you know, a group of 30-year-old teenagers battling Japanese stock footage. But you just don't notice these things when you're like seven years old. You hear heavy rock music and you see the Megazord and it's like, yeah... Even though it's the same shot of the Megazord forming you've seen in every single episode, you just don't notice these things. You know, a simpler time. No, but it was you know it was always sort of fun to watch, and I think yeah. if you're hyperactive and on sugar, it's definitely for you. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the characters were kind of decent role model because there were all these squeaky clean characters, you know, who were like who they they love the environment and they they get involved in causes and never really seem to go to school other than now and again. <laughs> so, you know, they're great role models. They're people to aspire to. Everyone wanted to be a Power Ranger. Which one, I don't know, but, you know. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a secret that I'm going to keep to myself. <laughs> well, I'll ask you to pick Maybe a Maybe someday you'll ply it. me through it f- full of drink and find out which Power Ranger <laughs> I wanted to be, but until then... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was the yellow one, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> 
Um, I will ask you for to pick a colour at the end of the podcast. Why not? Yeah, so I'll try. I'll try and I'll try and come up with a colour between the, now and then. Yeah, you, you've been prepared for it, so time to think <laughs> about. Um, so coming to this film, then you know, twenty odd years later, or however long it is, they've decided to revisit Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as a. I'm not going to say high budget as a medium-ish budget blockbuster-ish film. Um, you think that's a good idea? And what did you think of this particular stab at it, without spoiling? I think in a era where everything is getting rebooted, relaunched, and a, a film made about it, I think this is one of the more reasonable attempts that I've seen. Um, it's, you know, like we said, the original had its naff elements that you sort of glossed over at the time because it was a bit of fun, and I think this is the same. I kind of forgive some of its flaws because it's a bit of fun at the same time. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh the, I thought they made an effort to develop the characters, and I didn't expect as much effort to be taken as it as it was. You know, it, it could have so easily been a, a pretty by the numbers teen superhero thing, but it, it was a bit more than that. You know, not much more than that, but it was a bit more than that. And they, I like how they they boosted the inbuilt flaws that were implied about the the other characters, such as Jason being a bit of a. Um, a bit of a jock, I suppose. Kimberly being shallow and things. Although she isn't really that shallow in this film, but she's definitely this kind of damaged former popular girl. Things like that. So it's it's quite good that there some effort was was taken. Maybe it takes a bit too long to get where it's going, but you know. Sorry. Yeah, I think I think it is it is a long film and I think if you hated this film from the start you definitely hate it by the end because of its length. Yeah. It's kind of unforgiving. Anyone that's been sort of forced to see this against their will by their boyfriend or their girlfriend or whatever is going to really really hate it by the end. However if you went in sort of hoping for good things and that I think I think it'll be alright but it it did suffer a little bit in my eyes for its length but we can get into that in the spoiler area. Yes. I think I'm ready to teleport to the spoiler area if you are. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll go to the command centre and speak to Zordon, who will um, let us spoil things. I will not be doing a Zordon voice for this podcast. An Alpha people... 5 voice? Uh, definitely not. Please, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Go no. on. No. Go on. No. Anyway, let's let's uh, head to the spoiler zone. It's morphin' time! Okay. We've arrived safely in the spoiler zone, so I hope. Well, I hope we've arrived safely. I feel fine. I've never transported like this before. That was very fancy. Yeah, I could do that for my work. It would save me hours. Oh, same, and money on bus passes and things. Yeah, imagine yeah. how much longer I could stay in bed if I could transport to work. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you'd probably still be late. You know, <laughs> that's true. Oh, you know I'm me at, so well. <laughs> I'm due at work in ten seconds. I've got another five seconds. Oh no, I'm late. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, at the root of all this is the characters. You've got five. You know, you've got uh, Jason, Kimberly, Billy, Zach, and Trini. They're the main five characters. They're the teenagers with attitude, and uh, I would say this film spends a bit more on time on the fact that they have attitude rather than the fact that they're superheroes. Which, which is good to establish kind of the redemptive arcs that turn them into superheroes because obviously structurally this film is completely a superhero film. You've got the character introduction, then they um, find out about their powers, 
they train, they master their powers, they overcome their flaws, and then they have that big bang at the end where they fight the villain. So I think it's important to establish those flaws, and I'd say it does it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they do sort of signpost everything. I mean, as an introduction to a character, having uh, a very strange opening, I suppose, with the... (laughs) with cow masturbation jokes Um, as as an introduction to a character um, yeah very weird Uh, (laughs) for the opening of a film like an action film yeah, it's got to go up there with weirdest opening of an action film, surely. Well, of course, it wasn't quite the opening; it was the scene after the opening. No, not quite, but you know yeah. what I mean. As an introduction to your characters or your main, or what is you know what is you know your lead, uh, your leader. Um, yeah, very weird. I mean, they amplify, like you say, from the TV show, they've sort of amplified each of the flaws. You know, Jason is, you know, sort of a former jock, I suppose. Mm. If he's no longer on the sports team seems to be sort of cast out, you know, after letting everyone down, letting the sports team down, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, they've they've sort of amped everyone's flaws slightly. Yeah. And I liked him, I liked Jason as a character, the actor, I can't pronounce his name, Dacra Montgomery, maybe? I don't know, he's Australian, anyway. But, um, he was good. Uh, You know, he had a bit of presence about him, you could kind of believe him that he was a that he had authority to him, you know. It was kind of they were naturally drawn to listen to the guy, and he establishes himself as being quite fair-minded early on, especially when he helps Billy out from that bully that's not bulk or skull um, in detention. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's something about him for whatever reason that I couldn't get him head that reminded me of Chris Pine. Yes, for some strange yeah. reason while I was watching him. <laughs> yeah, that kind su- of face, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I suppose some of the character elements in that way, being a bit rebellious and but still sticking up for people, having that sort of moral compass in a strange way, the the not ratting out on his friends, uh, sticking up for Billy in that first case, you know, it's yeah. I think I think he was a good character. I think he did a good job portraying him. Yeah, I I I thought he he did all right for for sort of quite quite a tough role to fill being that sort of de facto leader character yeah he doesn't have the same booming voice that the original had though no I mean it doesn't help that his utterance of it's morphin time is nowhere near as quite as uh, insane as the the original but you know it's kind of I suppose they're stripping they, they tried to strip away the kind of let's be really cheesy about this and tried to make it sort of semi-serious which both worked and didn't I think yeah, I mean it's it's very hard. I mean the, the villain, you know, Rita was in some ways in a different movie because that yeah. was just very comic booky, over the top villain where where they they had the the sort of Power Rangers characters were meant to be taken more seriously it appeared in this yeah. with the way that their flaws and everything were being done. So it was it was a tough balance. Some of it didn't land, some of it did, and yeah. Yeah. And I would say my favourite character of the bunch was, was Billy. I mean, I really liked RJ Seiler and how he portrayed that character. The the early mention of him being on the, the autism spectrum was, was a good one. And, I mean, I don't really know much about 
that, but I wonder if it is a fair portrayal of that kind of condition. Um, the idea that his brain doesn't work as the same way as everyone else's, and, and the way that he doesn't understand jokes, and that he just rambles on and things like that. Um, but he's also supremely intelligent because of that, because his brain kind of focuses on problems in front of him and things. I thought I thought he was really good, and he um, he was kind of this this uncertain element in among the cast where you could see in some cases that they didn't know how to react to him. I'm not see the 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 portrayal of him being aut- being autistic seemed to get dialed up and dialed down as the script required. Yeah. They didn't seem to stick to that particular, you know, elements of his flaws, his sort of tidiness, the organisation thing would sort of come and go. Yeah. They Although didn't maybe that's fair enough, I don't know. Um, commit. I don't, yeah, I don't know enough about the conditions, so it's it's difficult to, to decide whether they made it well enough or not. I think it kind of worked for this film, though. Yeah, I mean, the, the character, he had some funny lines, he, you know, and... To get into detention for blowing up a locker is <laughs> <laughs> is a reason to go in there. It ain't bad. Saturday detention. Yeah, Brooklyn. Saturday detention for blowing up a locker. <laughs> Not a criminal. I, I think, I think you know, surely, court, surely you get expelled for setting off a bomb in school. <laughs> and yeah. I know that you know. I know that discipline and things getting a bit lax now around about schools. But I'm pretty sure if I set a bomb off, I get kicked out. <laughs> Maybe he gets special allowances because of his disability. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. It's something the film doesn't go into, though. But mm. um, and in a lot of ways, Jason and Billy are kind of the the last people you might expect to be friends, and and they're kind of they're brought together by circumstance more than anything else. Whereas in the original show, they were just friends, despite the fact they would be com- from completely different social circles. Yeah, you can you can you can hack the tracker, uh, <laughs> which is uh, you know. yeah, that was lots which of quick is, fire uh, techno babble. It's a Faraday yeah. cage, and where do you live again? And oh, here we go. Yeah, that's it. So it's it is it's yeah, it brings together and and it gets rid of that nice ankle bullet bracelet that would have made it very difficult to do the rest of the film. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I thought Kimberly was quite an interesting character, uh, Naomi Scott. You know, she seems to be the one that. Well, I mean, they all. Well, Jason did a pretty bad thing, I suppose. He stole a cow, which is significant for some reason, and he um, also wrecked a car and got arrested and stuff. But she. Um, like she was just awful, you know, when she sent a presumably nude picture of her best friend, and I don't know why her best friend is sending her nude pictures, but you know, whatever it's Power Rangers, um, and yeah. she kind of shames her, and it's it's a very kind of unkind thing to be doing. Yeah, you do wonder how she got a picture like that in the first place to then be able to share it and send. Yeah, well, it she on. said her friend sent it, and it's like. I've never. Well, uh, yeah. it must happen, but like, that's a bit strange in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> it if is that's a bit what odd. it was, you know, if that's what it was, but we don't ever see the picture because you know this is a PG thirteen or a twelve or whatever it is. Yeah, that's so, an X rated edit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see it in the the, the Blu ray extras. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good way of sort of getting the popular girl out with people that she wouldn't have hung out with otherwise. Yeah, you know, she still gets to have the sort of popular girl attitude without, you know, being tied into the friends and sort of, like you say, all of them have their circumstances that draw them to that quarry. Yeah, or the gold mine. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how uh, she manages to uh, 
give herself a professionally styled looking haircut with just a pair of like kitchen scissors in a bathroom. Do you, do you not cut your own hair, Craig? You know, I do not. Oh, you should try because you'll look that stylish. Seriously, <laughs> it'll all work out. Because all she does is like chop it off, and then the next scene she goes back into detention, and it's all like styled and stuff. There's none of this, <laughs> you know, none of this raggedy mess that, that it should be. Which I thought was quite funny. It's like ah, yeah, Hollywood. <laughs> In Hollywood, even our uh, even our teen angst uh, makes us look good. Yeah, it's a sort of secret superpower that. Isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, she was good and. Uh, Apparently, in, uh, I didn't see any of the trailers. Well, I saw the first one. But apparently, in the second trailer, there was a you know there was a, supposed to be a kiss between her and Jason, and the moment that you that's supposed to happen is still there. It's when she goes into his room and confesses to him what she did and thinks that she's the reason they can't morph and things like that. Um, it's supposed to be at that point, but I think it's better for not happening because it makes it feel like, well, for starters, it didn't feel like their characters were building up to any sort of romance. So it would have felt out of place. So I'm glad they cut that. I'm glad that she's not sort of defined by which character she, which male character she latches onto. Yeah, I think that was a wise call not to build up to that. I think it would have been too much. Yeah. Um, to focus on as well, as much as this is a long film, it's if you want to build a relationship like that up, you've got to give them more time just with themselves. Yeah. To chat and build up to that rather than just throwing in a you know, a random kiss. Yeah, because they weren't uh, flirtatious before that point. No, all. not really. Uh, it's, you know, and they've not even had that much alone time to chat or get to know each other or do anything like that. So, no, I, I wouldn't have expected that to be in there. I think it wouldn't have worked. So I'm glad they dropped that. Plus, she's saving herself for Tommy. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> So other characters, um, Zach is no longer um, African American, is the I suppose the technical term. He's now Asian. Uh, Ludi Lin plays Zach, and he's a bit of a smart ass. Uh, that's the first thing you find out about him. But he has this kind of nice little backstory that involves him like being very caring for his sick mother. Um, that I wish had been delved into a bit more because it was just it was pretty interesting but it's kind of it comes off as a mention and it appears in two scenes and and it, it, you know it's I quite like the idea that he doesn't like being home because he's afraid he'll be around when she dies or if she dies yeah I think it was uh, it was an interesting angle to go on with him um, and something a bit different I suppose it's it's a shame they didn't get a chance to develop it a little bit further but you know, like we've said already, the film was already long enough. I imagine yeah. there's probably some bits on the cutting room floor. I think between him and uh, Trini, you know, I think they both had elements of their character that was probably chopped, or some of their character development was chopped out, which is a yeah. bit of a shame. Uh, even Billy doesn't get that much of a running. You get a little bit extra of him just because mm-hmm. Jason goes round to his house, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I, I sort of feel that they've been cut a little bit down, but I don't see. You know, I I don't think they could have added more time to the film to develop on them. Basically, yeah. It's, well, it's, it it's would a need to have come from somewhere else, and I don't know quite where you would sort of lock. Yeah, well, it's it's a two-hour um, superhero movie uh, with five main characters, so some focus has to be given somewhere. And Jason and Kimberly were probably always going to get the focus because they're the. You know, they're the characters that people maybe 
latch on to a bit more other than Tommy who's not in it uh, at least not yet um, but I quite like the idea of uh, Trini being but she's she's definitely not straight it's not clear what she is but maybe that's even better you know she has this kind of fluid sexuality maybe you know she's she doesn't know what she is still has to figure that out or maybe she is um she doesn't define herself as anything again that's equally valid it's a, as a life choice in, i did in this like day and age. I did like her sort of explanation about, and especially when you see it at home, it's meant to be the sort of perfect homestead yeah. scenario that she's in. And, you know, she feels like she's not living up to their expectations. I thought that was a a, a good angle to take. You know, it was sort of a good angle on that. And, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was a little bit different. And it was it was tough, but I think they've given them all different problems to overcome different things that are playing on their mind yeah i thought it was a pretty genuine take in some ways and in a capsule i suppose of sort of teenagers and and how they would interact in that scenario yeah all the teen angst that you can think of yes yeah and, and they're made for a good pairing they all have really good chemistry with one another and the and the way they develop as as friends and teammates throughout the film is it feels organic enough you know they spend enough time on it at least, so like the the best scene in the film probably for character stuff is the is the campfire scene. You know where they all go around and they tell each other a bit about themselves. Apart from Kimberly, who just you know gets skipped, but you know enough about her by that point mm-hmm. anyway. So um, it's the first real insight you get into Zach and Trini at that point, and uh, even Jason kind of skips it. He's like everybody knows who I am, and then moves on. So that that scene is for them too. Um, those two characters and it's it's really good because you just get to see them sitting around chatting and the dialogue doesn't feel clunky you know it doesn't feel like it's an adult writing for what what they think a teenager might sound like although some of it is a bit precocious I suppose yeah no definitely I thought it was a nice scene of a sort of getting to know you type thing and shows them hanging out a little bit in the world's most insecure gold mine you know uh, (laughs) yeah yeah, is Angel Grove an old fishing hamlet or is it a mining town? Which one? Like you know, it's fairly unlikely for it to be both of those dilapidated former growth industries. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they couldn't decide which one. But the the fishing part became less important because you only see it, it only facilitates Rita appearing, doesn't it? Yeah, it's sort of how how does she get caught and, and get <laughs> caught yeah. by the fisherman and into town, you know. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. I mean it would have been really unlucky for her if she'd landed somewhere without a gold mine, to be honest. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, you wouldn't quite have worked conjuring up her monster if she had had to go hundreds of miles to find the nearest gold mine. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a lot of jewellery raids to get that far, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I quite liked Rita though. I thought she was quite well done. Elizabeth Banks was clearly having a blast playing that kind of over-the-top witchy character and, and there was something kind of horror movie-esque about her which I quite liked there, there was a sort of horror movie element but it yeah. was very sort of melodramatic over-the-top villain that yeah. was that was good you know it's it's a bit of the thing that the TV show would have had which is not taking itself too seriously Yeah, I suppose and that's one of the bits where they don't seem to have done it to have your villain Sort of on a quest to find a Krispy Kreme <laughs> donut shop and, and oh, to do all that, I think, was just a lot of fun. It probably got the biggest laugh in the screening that I went to. Yeah. 
um, that section of it. Um, but still very sinister, very powerful and able to pose a threat. So, yeah, yeah I, I, think she, I think she did a good job. Although hardly in it, unfortunately. She didn't have that much in the way of screen time. <sighs> yeah, I'm... It, I suppose this is one of the flaws that we're going to talk about is the fact yeah. that it does take a long time for them to get to facing the villain. Yeah. Um, and even then, it seems that it's over and done, done with and quite a quick job to solve. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame that it kind of gets passed over too quickly. I would have liked for them to have had a bit of a battle for it all to go wrong, for them to go back to train again to then come out rather than to have the very very short sort of skirmish that they have in the first place to be quickly patched up and back out again yeah yeah it's I guess it's a problem when your entire film set in a small town right there's only a, there's only so threatening the villain can be because it's a small town so therefore she can't she can't be seen to be doing too that too much damage because then the authorities have to react in some way so that's why she has to spend so much time like not doing anything because otherwise the whole town would be up in arms about it and uh, and you'd have this whole scenario where the, the the rangers don't have time to train because you know she's threatening people uh, here and there because she doesn't really do anything until they're towards the end of their journey yeah I think having a, maybe more jewellery shop robberies or something that would seem yeah. small enough that law enforcement wouldn't sort of be calling out the big guns right away yeah. But they could try and stop. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, know. I think having something, something a bit more for her to do. Yeah. Although how seem... repetitive would it be seeing her rob several jewelry stores? Yeah. In a small town, they, we've got a lot of jewelry, jewelry stores and a Krispy Kreme. Nothing well, else. That's, that's, you know they've got a gold mine nearby. There's, there's your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a gold mine. What have they got to sell? Gold. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, but she was good. Um, I wish I'd seen more of her, and it looks like we might anyway. She's not dead, so necessarily she's in space. No, she's frozen, fr- thrown, yeah. thrown into space, or slapped into space. <laughs> slapped into space, which is a nice, a nice exit, you know, <laughs> just to be swiped and away into <laughs> oblivion. Yeah, um, but I quite like that the mythology of the show is largely intact. You know, they they took a lot of they they tried to modernise it and make it make a little more sense. You know, like the command centre is a ship, which is fair enough. Um, and what did you think of Brian Cranston as Zordon? You know, who's now in widescreen? Yeah, instead of, instead no, of now in swoopy widescreen as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved uh, it when his head would move from one side of the wall to the other. That was hilarious. I don't know why uh, it should be so funny, but. Also, also that uh, initial sort of confusion bit where you know, as as Alpha Five just kept them switched off all this time, yeah. never switched them on to explain. Now we're just waiting. Uh, Although <laughs> something about Rangers the now have a, something about have the power didn't restore until the power coins re-entered the ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was it was pretty good having them in the wall, uh, sort of swooping around. The effect I think was done really well. Yeah. The, you know where it was sort of like different I, I'm trying to think what the name of those things were you could sort of put your hand in and the metal at the other side the metal pins at the other yes. side would do the shape I'm of your looking hand. it up as we speak I want oh you're, you're along the yeah. same lines as me but they always used to have them in sort of toy shops so you could put your hand on you could put a print of something into the metal shapes and that's exactly what it looked like on yeah. the wall the, the I website like, I found calls it the thing with all the pins so no help the there. thing with all the pins why not <laughs> trademark yeah. Um 
it's <laughs> I don't know what you would call that properly. <laughs> it's got to have a Pin real name. hand thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pinpoint impression needle toy art toy needle art frame, maybe? I don't know. That, that's, that's just one of the, Yeah, that's a very long way of describing it. Pinpression. Pin art pinpressions. Toy Smith mm. classic pin art. It has lots of names. But yes, it's that. All right. It's that you know thing. what we're talking about. That everyone You've puts their face in, in the toy shop. Even though yeah, every, everyone's put their face and jabbed themselves in the eye with one of those things. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know who you are. Brian Cranston yeah, gets I've, to do it with the joy of modern CGI. Yeah, um, and at least he got a little bit of on-screen time as actual under-makeup Cranston. Yes. Uh, at the beginning, well, I presume that was him. Yes, <laughs> <So>. where he was <laughs> a Power Ranger, a former Power Ranger. The Red yeah, Ranger, br- no less. Briefly at the beginning. So, yeah. yeah, I thought that was that was cool. I liked that that character also got a little bit of development. It wasn't just a sort of generic boss figure on the wall. Yes. He got a little bit of development. He gave up his chance to come back in order to, you know, sort of pass it on. Yeah, and the Rangers don't blindly listen to his uh, doctrine either, which is no. uh, something that they always did in the original show. It was like, Okay, Power Rangers, you must do this, and they'd be like, "Yeah, cool." Instead of the, "Hang on, that's a bunch of crap." <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's exactly how, how modern teenagers would do. You don't tell me what to do. Yeah, why have I got to do what you say? Yeah, and the fact that Jason would call him out on the fact that he clearly had an extra agenda, or you know, had plans for them that they shouldn't, um, that they shouldn't be comfortable with, and things like that is uh, is quite good. And you know, there's the fact that he has a bit of an ulterior motive um, is is something else as well it adds a bit of depth to it it does it does it's it, it was an interesting way of doing it i think did it need to be someone as talented as brian cranston behind the wall Probably maybe not, not but uh, he did add a good bit to it i think and yeah it's, it seems like a waste of brian cranston yeah well <laughs> here's a bit here's a bit of power rangers trivia for you brian oh. cranston actually voiced certain monsters in the original series that was Craig's fact of the day <laughs> the snizzard being one of them <laughs> the snizzard yeah excellent it's, a, it's like a snake lizard well he did a lot of voiceover this... acting Brian Cranston yeah. I mean I think he was he was he was good he was definitely good in the part whether it was yeah. a bit of a waste of Brian Cranston I don't know yeah. but, also, but what, Billy, what a um, score for them Billy was named after him as well Billy Cranston ah there you go that's uh, a, see, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. Bit of Power Rangers trivia for you. Way back, from way back. He was he was there in the beginning. Or the, close hmm. to the beginning. So having him as Zordon, yeah, but it adds that sense of gravitas to it, you know. And it was probably a pretty small role for him. It can't be more than a few days of recording in a booth and then getting his face scanned, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like the James Earl Jones of Star Wars, except not quite as... It's not, this isn't going to balloon dearly as much. No, I, I'm sure we'll talk about that at the end, what we sort of expect going on. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a bit of a shame that he's he's only a sort of face in the wall kind of thing, but for that part, I think he did excellent. Yeah. Uh, he was good enough. Um, well, he was very good. I enjoyed, enjoyed him in the role. And, uh, you know, not to keep referring to my own pitch for Power Rangers that I wrote some years ago, but, you know, I've got to bring it up at some point. My version of Zordon was hiding something, too. Oh. I never came up with what he was hiding, but, you know, because, you know, they're, they're not making it. But I was like, oh. I bet it was his diary. It's always his diary. <laughs> it's his diary, yes. Um, yeah. 
three million B- years BC. Lord Zed is annoying me again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and the the sort of retconning they did for Rita being another Power Ranger and she's the Green Ranger. It makes a kind of sense because it gives them a history, although it's not a history you ever see play out because they don't share any screen time together. But it is the idea that you know she's made a villain for some reason because she didn't like. Zordon's leadership for some reason and decided to go her own way um, again they don't go too far into it but there's a history there and, and he has a personal stake in getting rid of her yeah it does it does sort of give the bit you know it, it was a betrayal but you're not you're not sure why and I'm not particularly sure why she wants the crystal either which is the major MacGuffin of the piece the zeo crystal yes you know the zeo crystal for for power for reasons because she seems pretty powerful already yeah but with her green power coin with her green power coin to you know i I don't it's always a problem with me with some of these films is that it's great that we've got this MacGuffin that happens to have been hidden on earth but but why do people want the MacGuffin? <laughs> what are they going to yes. do? Yeah, it once, really once the, it's the thing that creates life on Earth. Fine, yes. but what do you do? Do you take it to another planet and then create life on that planet with your yeah. with your crystal, or do you, do you grind it down and uh, sell it on the black market? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They never explain why she wanted it, other than it being a source of unimaginable power. And I suppose villains yeah, are always yeah. going to want sources of unimaginable power. Um, but what the Zeo crystal is isn't really explained, other than the fact is every life. Seed, it, every planet that has life has a piece of the Zeo crystal, which fair enough. Okay, sp- life springs from it. That's cool. But for some reason, the, the lot of it is on Earth now, and it's huge, and it's underground, and yeah, um, and it may or may not create megazords. We don't know. Um, yeah, the Zeo crystal was a plot point in the original series of it that managed to become important when it gave them their second set of powers when their original powers were destroyed. So there you go. See, you, you've got the advantage of having rewatched it recently, so... I've rewatched some of it, more than I would care to admit. Oh, you, you've watched a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much as you might think. You know, there's only, I've, I've, been, I've been busy. Otherwise, I might have just been sitting eating Doritos watching Power Rangers. I think, I think you've been podcast editing in one, one screen and watching Power Rangers on the other. I think that's what you've been doing. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I think... It's uh, it's one of those things. It's it's sort of another MacGuffin-y movie with a large uh, beast that is walking its way through town, destroying things. It kind of reminded me of the first four film with the sort of big destroyer coming down. Yeah, and the small town aspect kind of had that. the small town yeah. aspect. Cars getting kicked out the way, buildings getting stomped on, and you sort of think, oh, I've I've, I've seen this in a movie before. What one? Oh yeah, four. I've seen this in four. <laughs> You know, almost exact sort of step by step with some of it. Yeah. Um, it was it was one of those things. The the defeat at the end with the Mega Zord getting formed. I didn't quite understand how that came about. I didn't know if they were all going to hit a button when they got close together to form the Mega Zord, yeah. or if it just accidentally happens when it falls down a crevice. Yeah. Uh, in, in the original show, it was abundantly clear how it happened. You know, you you. You saw that uh, connection sequence in pretty much every episode, and you never yeah. saw the Zords do, or you rarely saw the Zords do anything on their own. So you've got that, and uh, and the fact is, the Megazord looked like it was of them all, 
at, at that back at that point as well. So um, you don't really get that here. I guess we'll come on to that when we talk a bit more about the design. But yeah, the the kind of it was a bit it was a bit awkward. But the but the the Zordon Rita rivalry thing had potential, and it's something they can pick up in sequels because you know she ain't dead, so that's good. No, she's just slapped into space, so you yeah. can assume that she can come back at some point. Yes. Uh, from that, because who hasn't been slapped into space before? Yes, of course. And uh, Zordon's annoying robot sidekick was still there, Alpha 5, who's now voiced by Bill Hader, instead of that squeaky voiced thing in the original. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're a fan. Ah, uh, well, it's not, it's not as annoying, but it's popular, I hate it, so, you know, let me, let I me thought just... Uh, it- I thought they did a nice job. I know that we're talking about the design later on, but that character is mainly design, and I thought they did a nice little job making something that was really, really goofy-looking in the first, you know, the same way they've sort of done Zordon's screen yeah. and given that a sort of upgrade. I think the, the little upgrade that they did to Alpha 5 was was neat. The, the introduction with the character being sort of over the moon and them being scared of him <laughs> yeah. in the first place, I thought was... You know, a nice little introduction. I think overexposure to that character possibly annoys people a little bit. (laughs) But, you know, I think it was one of those elements of comic relief to try and brighten it a little bit. Whether some of the gags landed very well, Mm. I'm not too sure. But, you know, I, 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 I didn't hate him. I didn't love the character, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, plus Zordon was stuck in one location, right? So Alpha could be everywhere. Yeah, he could be, you know, he could be training them. But I thought he was okay. He was, he had some funny moments. They brought back his his famous I.I.I. thing, although not quite as shrill this time, and he didn't say it nearly as often. But um, it was quite good, and the way he kind of was messing with the Rangers by joking at them and stuff um, was was quite funny. Yeah, and I liked. I did like his design. It felt close enough to the original, but also alien enough. Yeah, I think it, they they did a good job to sort of translate something that looked a bit a bit naff from the original into something cool. Like I say, the same the same way they did with Zordon uh, on the screen. I think it, it it was a lot neater. Yeah, and. Uh, I guess the design aesthetic is, is something that's naturally come on to now. I mean, we've sort of talked our way through the, the kids interacting and things. Um, so, I mean, we're at the point where... Well, the, the story is essentially they have to learn how to morph, which takes an awful long time. <laughs> and um, they, they do a lot of training. Uh, there's there's a, a pretty well-thrown-together montage where you see them cutting between going to school, throwing notes at each other in very kind of Power Rangers-y ways, you know, with the uh, the emphatic sounds every time they move or every time something moves. And you had them fighting um, holographic putties, as they were called, even though they were rock monsters. Um, which was fine. You know, it was a training montage. Apparently you need training montages and everything now. Um, but I think it took an awful long time to get to the point where they were ready to morph. As you said, I would have liked... A mid a mid film fight with Rita where they're morphed and they're useless. Yeah, I think an initial fight where they try it, it goes wrong. I mean, you do get the fight that goes wrong, but it comes very, very, very late on, and they don't. And morph. then, yeah, they don't morph, and it's a bit too close to the to the final battle where it all seems to come together that you don't yeah. 
you you feel like the development's actually been, despite the fact that you've been watching it for a very very long time, you feel like the development is suddenly too quick. Yeah, you know, it's it's like after watching this for a while, you're like, hang on, this how, how come they've now jumped? You know, they seem to have jumped a massive step here. Yeah, it's like, well, Billy's dead now, and that's kind of a shame. Uh, I've realised that that's a bad thing. Now we're all friends. Oh, I wish he was alive. And then Zordon's like, well, it just so happens I had the opportunity to come back, but sent Billy instead. I'm just going to stay in this wall and, and give you advice. Yes, ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> um, ignore the man who is the curtain. <laughs> the man who is the curtain, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, um, yeah, I I kind of see why they've done it, but at the same time, I do feel it was, it was a bit too long. It would be nice to sort of have some sort of mid-level fight... I, I think it would have been too much to give Rita a sort of henchman. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like a lot of these films do, some sort of human that wakes her up accidentally and then ends up becoming some sort of henchman. I actually missed her henchman. Like, Goldar was more than a, just a, a faceless monster. Literally faceless in this in this film. Um, you know, he was like a, a general. He was like a bear wolf thing. It was cool. Um, even Natalie liked Goldar and she hates Power Rangers. <laughs> but but in, and she had her monster maker Finster and Squat and Babu who were her version of Bulk and Skull just because they were so blatantly incompetent but you know she had minions and maybe if she had minions she could sit around planning a bit more and be in it more but um, I suppose it would, it would have given them someone to fight at the mid level yeah rather than going straight to your big villain at the end yeah because I'm not really counting Goldar as a is the the main villain at the end because it's essentially a mech suit by the yeah, <laughs> by the yeah, a, you know but by the closing it's sort of just an extension of the of Rita at the end yeah so it, it's yeah I think they could have done with something there I think they developed the characters all right they just didn't get to the action of them fighting quick enough and they could have condensed some of it down in the middle although I thought the morphing mm- scene was quite badass it was actually. It felt quite satisfying to see it finally happen. Yeah, well, you've waited around so long. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, it, it it was pretty good the way they did it. The sort of concept they came up with with the the sort of morphing grid in the middle of the the control room, I thought yeah. was rather neat looking. You know, they did they did a good job with that. Yeah, and the way the suits um, crawled up their arms and things like, I suppose like the Venom symbiote and Spider Man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of the suits are part of them. But it's like, it's weird how no one questions the fact is the armor's inside you already. It's like, well, that's pretty invasive. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? We touched these coins and suddenly we have this armor. Great. You know, the coins that, were a bit was... boring to look at. They're just little little red thing or little coloured gems. That was one of the questions I was going to sort of ask you about. So at the beginning, we have the. When, when the touch the coins they're then involved in the car crash yes the car's right the car's totaled they're they're upside down in the car and then they wake up at home yeah i don't have an answer to that i was hoping you'd go well having watched all this uh, there's actually precedent for this before but I, I, i get how they they were protected by their powers yeah but i don't understand how their powers autopiloted them back to their respective homes (laughs) and and tucked them off into bed yeah so I thought they, they would have the power to teleport thing. at some point, but they never did. No, they never showed that, and they never sort of explained, you know, whether sort of if Alpha Five knew that they were up and managed to get them back 
home some yeah. way or I don't know whether they've maybe cut something out that explains how they got home. Yeah, although or the they've just sort of written that. because because powers. Yeah, <laughs> although the scene following that was a bit infuriating as well. You know, you had that. Um, it seems to be a staple in in a lot of modern origin movies where you've got the the scene of him in the bathroom. You know, like uh, so you had Jason in the bathroom where he realises he's realises he's now stacked for some reason, and um, it reminded me uncomfortably of X Men Origins Wolverine and the Amazing Spider Man. Hmm. You know, where in both films they wreck a bathroom with no consequences yeah. as well. You know, it's kind of he takes a big chunk out of the sink, but it's never mentioned again. Despite the fact his dad seems to be annoyed at everything he does. Yeah, I mean that that was another bit about the sort of tracker being missing. Yeah, uh, from his leg. Now it's fine. The police do not know he's in the house when he's supposed to be under curfew. However, his <laughs> parents surely have noticed the fact that the <laughs> under curfew son is not in the house. Yeah. Several After being majorly, <laughs> majorly peeved about him nicking a cow and taking it to school, <laughs> um, now to be breaching, <laughs> breaching parole <laughs> yeah. by not being in the house. <laughs> I, I, I find it strange that they're now suddenly silent on that and totally okay with it. You yeah, know, the, the parents disappear when it becomes inconvenient for them to be there. It's it's just one of those bits that kind of made me sit and go, hang on, wh- wh- how come no one's Christian? I did think that was going to be one of the points at the end is the fact that he couldn't get out for training because his parents were keeping him in the house rather than the tracker. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he climbs out the window or something and no one notices he's gone. Maybe he does that thing where, you know, you put pillows under the bed and, and plays a tape recording of himself snoring. You sound like you've done that before. <laughs> no, no, no. Not me. But, um, Honest. Yeah. <laughs> he might have done that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess on to design. Uh, what did you think of the suits? Uh, I'm a bit conflicted. It sort of looks a bit, the suits, um, I know it's a completely different film, we've not even seen it yet, but the new Flash out of, of, of Justice League, it sort of looks a bit like that suit. It does. It's it, I, I wasn't expecting them to be walking about in the sort of uh, pyjama outfits that you had in the TV show, but it it does seem very angular and multiple parts. It is an armour. Yeah. You know, they describe it as an armour, and I suppose as a suit of armour that's supposed to be manoeuvrable for fighting, you know, sort of hand-to-hand combat, I suppose it works. Is, is that it just seemed very clunky and to have so many pieces to it yeah, yeah I like the design of the suit in the last Power Rangers movie and I, I like the designs here my issue with it is the same issue I have with the the, the DC films is the um, the muted colour scheme especially with Power Rangers you know it's all about these five colourful heroes and the scene where they epically walk out of the, the control room suited up for the first time the only colour you can make out really is red you know, like, pink is indistinguishable from anything else. And they're just, you know, they, they ruin that moment, I think, by having this muted colour palette throughout the film. It and should have been know, more colourful than it was. I don't know if they've tested it and then they've toned it down slightly. Yeah. Or or, or what they've done, if they've sort of done a very vibrant version of it and then went, oh, that's a bit too much. Yeah, you know, no, be. no one's going to take them seriously when they come out for their final fight wearing that. 
but like you say, it does seem washed down to the point where you get reddish, pinkish, <laughs> blueish, and blackish, <laughs> yeah. and yellow. <laughs> yeah, it's just it feels like a bit of a waste. You know, um, these these characters are naturally colourful, and you get a bit more colour to it when they're out in the 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 desert fighting. But even then, it's still a bit. It feels a bit kind of you know the the, the there's lights not on even at the daylight. And it's a shame. But other than that, I liked the design work of the suits. I thought they looked cool. Well, a bit too much like if Iron Man d- decided to um, create a team of superheroes and gave them all armour. You know, they yeah, even had yeah. a, a bit of an arc reactor type thing going on in their chest. Yeah, I think I think they looked they looked alright. I mean, the design overall in the film, I think they've done pretty well. I mean, we've already mentioned the sort of Zordon screen thing, Alpha 5, they've sort of rebooted and looks not too stupid yeah. <laughs> off the wall um, sort of set design and things all looked very neat the sort of control room set I, I thought was rather neatly designed yeah. um, the Zords I thought looked I mean it's, they, they even do a sort of bumblebee gag within the within the fight a Transformers oh, yeah. gag yeah, pretty, uh... as they're rolling about in these big Sort of what almost looks like Transformers. <laughs> yeah, where they, um, they get the uh, the Camaro. Uh, yes, and, and he yells, "Sorry, Bumblebee." <laughs> yeah. So it's. I, I kind of thought we've we've seen big CGI roboty fights before, and they don't always help. But the swords, I think, looked okay. It's. It makes sense them looking like dinosaurs, I think, from the excuse that they gave. <laughs> dinosaurs and a saber-toothed tiger and a mastodon. Yeah. Because they do mention they modelled themselves after the most powerful creatures on the planet when those were dinosaurs. And two of them aren't dinosaurs. It's the same mistake they made the original show. And one and one's a fighter jet. Yes. <laughs> it's also a pterodactyl. Sort of. Yeah. I think the T-Rex was the most distinct... You know, it was. It, it looked cool. I liked the red finish on it and stuff. And uh, it was most. You know, it was the most clear of a lot of them. The mastodon had like eight legs, I think. But you could. It didn't look like it had any tusks. I mean, it, it clearly must have, but you don't really see them. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I I thought they looked all right. They were fine. They're just not. Um, I think they looked to me it was uh, just because you've you've sort of seen these sorts of things in Transformers before so I've, I think they did a good job but they looked a bit familiar to me yeah and as a Power Rangers nerd I quite like seeing the Zords all actually do something it's quite rare that you see them fight individually you know they normally just hook up to the, the Megazord right away yeah, I think they tick, They definitely tick the fan boxes with different things in this film. And I think getting to see them fight individually and then form up was something that they were going to have to do. Yeah. There's no way that they could have avoided that by the end of the film. I would have personally left the Megazord till next time. Because at no point does Zordon suggest that it's possible. And you think he would have let them know. Yeah, oh, here's your Zords. Um, by the way, they could combine and make something that's awesome that looks like it's much, much taller than... All of them combined. Yeah, but by the way, whatever you do, don't press the red button. Yes. <laughs> don't press it. 
Don't um, press it. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I thought the Megazord bit wasn't as satisfying as it could be because you just couldn't make out what was going on when it fell into the pit. You know, you saw some close-up shots of metal unpacking and stuff, but then, you know, it was always cool to see them connect up in the old show. Um, and they would make a big deal out of it and they would do rock music and it'd be, it'd be awesome. You know, you wouldn't care about stock footage because... Because it sounded awesome and it looked awesome, and and it was this kind of little ritual that they did in every episode. It was great. I thought what what I quite liked about it is the fact that each one of them was controlling a different element. They were controlling a leg or an arm or the head or the, you know, I I, I thought that was pretty good and seeing yeah, them sort that of fall weird. over and for <laughs> it all to sort of almost fall apart at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was um, was quite neat. Them getting to sort of learn how to use it. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool that part, but yeah, it's a bit strange to have them all like. Okay, I've got the legs. Uh, you've got the arms. Um, what does Jason do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he sits and watches. Uh, yeah, he's like, I'm the boss, so get on with it. Yeah, right leg move, left leg move, right leg move, left leg move. <laughs> yeah, <March>. and punch. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was cool enough, and um, and Goldar was sufficiently threatening. Um, well, I like how Alpha said that the uh, the Zords were their powers were nearly limitless, and then they get almost get destroyed pretty quickly. Yes, their powers were almost limitless. Yeah, <laughs> and one they're now that... very rusty after years in a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, one thing that kind of disappointed me was that they they got in their Zords too quickly. You know, you only see a few seconds of them fighting. You know, and and the martial arts were always a big part of the show. Yeah, they they did a little bit of combat because you got this sort of training montage. Hmm. I suppose you had already seen them do a bit of hand to hand combat, despite the fact that the um, despite the fact that they didn't go do that much hand to hand combat in the final fight. Yeah, I think the final bout with Rita should have been, you know, hand to hand, ground level. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, because there was kind of yeah they they fight for like thirty seconds and then and then they're you know they're fighting for thirty seconds and then someone says these things just keep coming it's like well you've not been at it that long like you know most games of tempo run last longer than this and um, then they're in their zords for pretty much the rest of the film which is slightly disappointing in that regard although I will say that um, watching them ride into battle with the Power Rangers theme playing over it was made me feel like I was seven years old again. The first time I saw it, anyway. That was a good feeling. And then it cuts to Kanye West, which is not so good. <laughs> I think it was Kanye West. It was some rap nonsense, which doesn't fit with a Power Rangers fight. Not at all. New Power Rangers rap. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> don't don't modernise that. Let's get the hard metal next time. Again. You know, heavy. Least, got to be heavy rock. That's it. It's the only thing that works. But other than that, you know, I had a good time with it. Uh, the fight was pretty cool. The design was pretty cool. Goldar kind of looked a bit nonsensey, but um, and the the way that it was resolved by I quite liked the whole like, okay, we're going to bring you to Zordon, who'll be the judge, and she's like, oh, that's hilarious, you know. And and again, there's the implication that he's not telling them everything that maybe she's she has a point in some way, but um, she just gets slapped into outer space, which I thought was funny. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't see how they were going to sort of take her willingly to their secret base, yeah. Um, without that 
sort of going wrong. I mean, the, f- the thing with the secret base is the secret base now has a massive hole in the side where the, the swords came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit strange. <laughs> Unless it, they have if a it wasn't door. A, if it wasn't an undiscovered secret base, it's not going to be an undiscovered secret base for long. Yeah, well, when Zack crashes through the mountain when he takes the yes. mastodon for a spin, yeah. That's a weird scene, that. With with nuns, I, it, with singing nuns. Singing nuns, which was, it was funny, it was it was there. <laughs> However, I just, uh, the back of my head I'm going, you've just blown a hole in the secret base. Uh, <laughs> oh, singing everyone, nuns. <laughs> oh, oh, singing nuns, oh, it's fine, I'm distracted now, it's fine, I've got no questions. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, oh, something shiny. <laughs> yeah, singing nuns, uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, Power Rangers never had enough singing nuns, um, I imagine. You were okay with the nuns, but you, you yeah. were angry about Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, should should they not have been rock nuns just to please you? Yes, they should have been playing electric guitar. That would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not what you get. So, but you know, it was good enough. Um, I liked the fact that the climax of a film that's essentially a blockbuster is to defend a Krispy Kreme, and they say that in dialogue. You know, Rita's on a quest to find the Krispy Kreme and she's walking through the town and she's like, find the Krispy Kreme and then it's like, no, not there and she keeps going and then uh, and the Rangers do say, you know, we need to protect the Krispy Kreme oh, It's said multiple times in quick succession, it must have been paid for product placement they did Definitely. not pick that at random they must have offered it to different companies Yeah, um, because it just gets said so many times and the scene in the middle of the fight where she's sort of standing there eating a donut is <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Uh, it just had me hooting. Um, yeah. It but, feels like yeah, Power the, Rangers when they're doing things like that. It just does. Yeah. Blatant product placement in there, but yeah. I think pretty funny. It's best, you know, well done, tongue in cheek. I think the fact that they over-egged it and they said it so many times just made it funnier. I think if it had only been mentioned a few times, would have been, that's weird. Why did Krispy Kreme pay to be in that? Who, yeah. who, who decided? I think the fact that they've done it so many times just makes it, you know, sort of ridiculous in its way, you know? Yeah, well, I don't know if you've seen the film Looney Tunes Back in Action. If not, yeah, you should. No. It's hilarious. Brendan Fraser okay. plays a stuntman who is Brendan Fraser's stuntman. It's brilliant. And he gets to punch <laughs> himself. Spoilers for Looney Tunes back in action. But there is relevance to this this discourse. Uh, basically, there's a point where they're in the middle of the desert and they find a Walmart. And then they wander out and they're, you know, they're, they're drinking cola or they're drinking something. And um, Bugs Bunny just keeps saying Walmart. And he says, isn't it nice of them to give us this, all this stuff for free for saying Walmart so many times? <laughs> so, you know, it's like that, isn't it? It's like... Power, uh, Power Rangers especially officially sponsored by Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're morphing animal. <laughs> if if um, Krispy Kreme want product placement on uh, this podcast, then uh, feel free. Um, yes, I'm, I'm we, available for donuts. We work for donuts. <laughs> <laughs> we work for donuts. Yes, it will. I, I'll defend. Uh, I'll defend the Krispy Kreme to my dying breath. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it was. It was just so funny, but the and I thought the scene at the the pit was quite well earned. You know where they're all just trying to stop getting pushed in to defend the Zeo Crystal, and uh, and they're all like saying, "I'm so glad you're my friends, and I'm so glad we met." And it's like this kind of like it was kind of earned. You know, it was it was cheesy and ridiculous, but they I think they got away with it. 
Yeah, I mean, there are the, the tongue-in-cheek elements of this, and I think that was one of them. It's it's hard to sort of say, if you if you take it and you think that they were trying to do everything seriously, then it, it wouldn't read as a good film. I think if you take it as something that's firmly got its tongue in its cheek at some bits, I think it works. Yes. And in, in some ways the tone was a bit inconsistent, I suppose, where, you know, the first two-thirds of it were probably quite a serious little teen drama with superhero elements, and then in the last third you had uh, robot dinosaurs defending a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Which, you know, fine, but yeah, the tone was a bit kind of imbalanced in that respect, and I wonder when they make a sequel what they'll learn from this one. If they make well, a do sequel. You think, do you think, well, I was about to say, do you think that they will go on to see? Well, I suppose it depends on how well it does in the box office. I think it did pretty well last week. It did well opening weekend, yeah. It didn't quite yeah. get Beauty and the Beast, but, you know. Yeah. No, but it did do higher, I think, than people expected. Yeah. So whether the nostalgia factor <clears throat> will keep it going and whether the people that went for the nostalgia factor will now... Um, will now go to a second film after seeing the first or whether that will just burn it out I don't know well as you know in a mid credit scene they teased the Green Ranger himself Mr Tommy dun, Oliver dun, dun. you know who isn't cast yet but you know he there's an empty chair with a green jacket on it so that's cool so uh, Tommy Oliver great uh, well, what, so what what film now doesn't end with a little credit sting that goes? We might do another one. Yeah. We might do. Yeah. <laughs> or in the case it's of Marvel, coming, potentially the, <laughs> depending on financial constraints. Yeah. Or in the case of Marvel, we're already filming this other one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good little credit stinger. I think that it was it was the right level of tease as well. You know, it didn't show you too much, but it was like, yeah, we know this is what you want, and we're willing to do it if you are willing to let us. Um, and there's been lots of stuff in the post, the post, in the press and stuff about like some the cast have been saying that quite like a female Green Ranger, which would to be fair would would balance the genders on the team, but they've already said Tommy, so could be so a th- nickname. Why not? Let's go for a nickname. <laughs> Tommy with an I. It's suddenly feminine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, it's fair enough if they want to do it that way, but um, as long as it's not just changing his gender for the sake of changing his gender yeah it, it, it's always hard to sort of strike a balance when they're trying to do those things yeah and I think you can see from the the way they've done the characters in the first place that they've been trying to do a little bit of balance I don't know whether that's what they were aiming to do in the first place yeah. um, you hope it's not just a tick box exercise that there's genuine reasons that they're doing it but yeah, yeah well this film for all its flaws, did not feel like a tick box exercise. Certainly, it felt like whoever made it, uh, Dean Israelite, gave gave a crap. You know, um, the writers paid some attention to what the source material and wrote something that was kind of worthy of it. I don't. I don't think there was corners cut in any way. Unlike in the Turtles films, which are just insulting all the way through. Yeah, yeah. The, I never enjoyed the. the Mutant hero ninja turtle pin ninjas films. <laughs> um, I don't. It just it, it just didn't fly with me for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I, I think it does a better job than that did. Definitely. Yeah. Though that wouldn't be very difficult. 
No, not at all. It's yeah. uh, that, is, that is very much setting the baseline bar. Yeah, <laughs> but if, if you use a contrast of bringing something beloved back from childhood, you know, people that grew up in the nineties would grow up watching Power Rangers and Turtles by and large. I mean, I know I did. So um, the fact that they get the someone cared enough about this one to make something watchable, whereas with the Turtles films, they got two stabs at it and failed in both both attempts. Um, so I think. I've got enough faith in them to turn in something good in the next one, should there be a next one, and I hope there is. Well, the good thing about, that they've got for the next one is they've now set up their characters, they've introduced yeah. their flaws, they've got them trained, they've got them in, so they, they can sort of hit the ground running in the next one. Yeah. Um, it it's always seems a shame, and it doesn't seem like they've gone too far in the world building within this film, no, which but is nice. There's hints, you know, the Zeo There's crystal, hints, there's hints, yeah. but there's not a huge, you know, not, there's not a huge set out. There's a lot of films that come out now that seem to be solely to set up a massive universe of films so that they can make more money off it, hopefully. Yeah. Whereas this doesn't <clears throat> seem to have done that, which is nice. Well, um, the Zeo Crystal can become this magnet for villainy. You know, um, all sorts of alien threats that come from afar. So the next film could have Lord Zed and the Green Ranger. The third film could have the Machine Empire and so on. There's all sorts of threats that you know they can draw on from the show. There's there's plenty. There's plenty to do. And I think that they should um, really take advantage of the rich history that the show has. Play around with it. Give us different takes on it. It's, you know, there's opportunities. And I think the producers have said they've got ideas for like seven Power Rangers movies, which sounds like crap to me. I just think I bet they, you they, they don't. If, as long as they don't start trying to line them out, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Because like, as oh, no, soon no, no, as they start getting right. grand plans, they go, yes, we've got eight films in mind. Everyone goes, no, <laughs> no, I'm fine, thanks. It's, yeah. it's all right. Yeah. I think for the next one, they should pay attention to what the fans are saying. Uh, obviously, not all of it will be worth listening to. I mean, only this podcast is worth listening to when it comes to, you know, suggestions for Power Rangers movies. I'm available. Even, even, even just, then, only 50% of this podcast is worth <laughs> listening to, and it's the bits to where I'm not talking. Just just saying to the the uh, producers there at um, Saban and whoever else made this film, I'm available. I can be a consultant. I can help you come up with a pretty awesome story. And uh, I'm cheap. You know, you can you can afford me. That's all I'm saying. Just for some Krispy Kreme donuts, Craig. Yeah, that's yours. it. Unlimited donuts, and you've got your ideas for the next seven Power Rangers movies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they might be a bit too expensive. I'm quite ambitious. <laughs> yes, and then the Megazord fights five monsters at once, and it's uh, it's epic. <laughs> and that. cost tons in CGI. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make the CGI. It's going to but make in, the climax in, in of a Transformers the... film look like a student film. <laughs> <laughs> but in true Power Rangers style, you would just uh, film uh, one monster and have many mirrors, and it would be fine. Yes, and repeat the footage over and over again. Flip the and footage. And repeat the footage. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'll even splice in some clips from the old show. No one will notice. Speaking of the old show, did you catch the cameos towards the end of the film? No, I didn't until you pointed it out to me. But yes, yes I did recognise them once you said, oh, it was that guy and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Jason David Frank and Amy Jo Johnson were citizens of Angel Grove who were wearing their original colours uh, and marvelling at the Megazord. Uh, Tommy, I'm just going to call him Tommy, he must be called Tommy, takes, takes photos with his camera phone um, and 
uh, I actually read a funny story about him recently. Uh, he was at the premiere of Power Rangers and it got to the scene with his cameo and he stood up to take a photo of the crowd to see the reaction to his appearance and he got thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And they were like, they didn't know who, apparently the security people didn't know who he was. So oh, they just no. threw him out. Oh man, that's a, it's poor, poor Jason David Frank. Oh, he seems like a nice him. guy, and he's you know, he's Power Rangers' biggest fan. I think he's been in it more than anyone, and he's always championed it. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a lesson in there, people. Don't take pictures inside the cinema; you will get thrown out. <laughs> they thought he was trying to pirate the film. <laughs> oh, I can't believe. I'm it. going to pirate this particular scene <laughs> yeah, by I'm not facing the film. screen. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to build this film a scene at a time. Uh, <laughs> Oh, hilarious. Poor guy. But it's a funny story about him. I actually think the, the cameo would have been better served if they were the couple getting married, you know, they were picking out a wedding ring. When when well, Rita's nice. eating gold. Yeah. yeah. But if you think about it, that's quite an intense scene in terms of, because it's an action scene, essentially. Yeah, so maybe filming schedules didn't really allow for it or whatever. But If the they're talking, that, do they not have to pay them more? Yeah, maybe. But yeah. But the, they could have had them not talk. But the that would have been quite cool because their characters had a bit of a thing in the original series, so you know why not? Would have been cool. A little cool little cameo to have them getting married. Yeah. That would have been uh, nice a little bit. It would. So, on that note, I think we've exhausted as much of this film as we can. It's two hours and we've talked quite a lot about it, so it's probably a good idea to wrap things up and um, count this discussion as a a powerful closed discussion since and you uh, you really loved hearing the Power Rangers theme in the film just yes. a heads up for you because I know you like to put little links and things onto yes. the show notes but uh, Brian Taylor the film's sort of composer mm-hmm. um, has a video on his Instagram of him playing the theme uh, that went into the film so you can see that on his Instagram I don't have Instagram. Can I look at Instagram oh, without having Instagram? You'll just need to go on the, on the public website instead without logging in. Ah, I can do that. I will send you the link. Fantastic. And the link will be in the show notes, if I yeah, remember yeah. to put them in. Uh, yeah. So, at the start of the podcast, I asked you to think about a colour. Which, if you were a Power Ranger, which colour would you be? Uh, I think I would be Tangerine. Tangerine. In the last Power Rangers podcast, I was grey, which, uh, you know, it's kind of boring. <laughs> but, you know, like, like Tommy Oliver... It is Oliver, I, him, the bland ranger. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like Tommy Oliver before me, you know, I will, I will lose those powers and become something else. And I will become the brown Power Ranger. Nice. Brown. Which is, you know, the prevailing colour in this film anyway. So I'll blend in, I'll be camouflaged. No one will know I'm there. You've been painted neutral colours in order to fit in with the decor and become easily sellable to someone else. <laughs> All I have to do is stand against the rocks and people, the putties will be like, where is he? <laughs> Imagine. Built-in stealth. I'm always thinking about survival. But yeah, a Khaki that's painted it. ranger. <laughs> yeah, the rainbow power ranger. Yeah. Rainbow ranger. They've probably had that, I don't know. I stopped watching about Zeo time, but I'll maybe get there. If, if all their powers combine, you get the Rainbow <laughs> Ranger. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, so unless you have anything else, it's probably a good idea to wrap up. No, that's it. Me too. So 
May the power protect you. And Silence. your loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no follow-up. I never know how to finish these podcasts. <laughs> Thank you, good night, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Yes. Thanks for listening. Yes, and go, go, Neil Before Pod. That was our discussion on the new Power Rangers movie. If you like what you heard, then please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. They've got the ability to morph and to even up